0: Praise God. Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone here today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here this morning worshiping with us. We're, we're so glad to have you in service with us today. Amen. And if you're watching us on theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. We pray that you're blessed by what you see, hear, or feel, whether it's online watching live or archived or listening to us on the radio, we're so glad you were here this morning joining with us. Amen. Praise God. Today, with the help of the Lord, I attempt to do what I was trying to do last week before the Lord had other plans. So I, I, I am hoping in Jesus' name, I said I'm not hoping, I'm hoping to follow the Holy Ghost, but we'll see if we get very far today in this. Uh, so we're going to Just refresh us, we're going to start back at the beginning, so you can be seated, because we're going to read a little bit, and as I said last week, for those of you that don't read your Bible during the week, I'm going to help you today and read a little bit to catch you up. Reading out of the book of Kings... And it says that it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went to Elisha, with with Elisha, from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. There's a progression here that I want you to kind of catch as we go. We go from Gilgal to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were with Bethel came out to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Verse 4, Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. For if you go from Gilgal to Bethel, To Jericho but notice every time there was a new direction Elisha's response to Elijah he said as the Lord lives as your soul lives I will not leave you so they came to Jericho now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today so he answered yes I know keep silent then Elijah said to him stay here please For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I want to preach today, as the Lord helps us, on how bad do you want it. How bad do you want it. If we notice here, there is a progression in this story... Of how the interaction between Elijah and Elisha. I know that can be confu- confusing a little bit in the names there. But Elijah, who was the man that was the, the prophet. And Elisha was the one that was following him. There was a progression. But to understand a little bit how they got there. We got to go back a little bit in scripture. And find the, uh, the, the part when they first truly met. When they first came in contact With one another. It's called the great commissioning of Elisha. You go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. It says this. So he departed from there. This is Elijah. So he departed from there. And found Elisha. The son of Shaphat. Who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he was with the 12. Notice this. There is nothing ever in scripture. That is done accidentally. Accidentally. The Bible is not a book that has been edited to to get rid of the typos and the misgrammar and and the things that are not very clear. Everything in the Bible, all the way down to the A's and the And's and the 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 ths, all have a purpose. God put them in there for you and I. I've heard many, many people say, you know, I don't understand. If you read the book of Numbers, there's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't make much sense. And, And to the surface... There may not be a lot to all that, but God doesn't put anything in his word by accident. If you figure that God, i said this before, but allow me to elaborate one more time. If God was going to condense everything that he had to say into 66 books to give to you and I, don't you think that every word in there would have been carefully chosen by the creator for you and I? It wasn't like he had times in the book where he had to have some filler. You know, you read a book or you read a novel, you watch a movie or whatever, and there are some times that it seems like there are some fillers in the story just to prolong the book or prolong the movie. But in God's book, there are no fillers. There's no such thing as a throwaway chapter. Everything has a purpose. So we read this story and we find that Elijah comes to Elisha and finds him, and the Bible just kind of drops it in there, that he's, that, he's, that he's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. What does it matter to you and I how many animals he has? I don't care if he had 5, 10, 15, 20, 30. I don't care if he was out there by himself with a shovel. Why would the Bible tell me that he's out there and give me the specific number of oxen that he was with? Well, in the Bible, numbers have significance. Numbers hold significance. And in the the Bible, the number 12 represents rule and authority. Because there were 12 disciples, 12 tribes. Solomon set up 12 rulers. You go throughout scripture and you see the word 12 and it pops up around rule and authority. So Elisha was found under... The clothing of authority. If you're not under authority, you can't progress on the road God has called you to be on. There is no such thing as a man that's his own ruler. There was a man that came to Jesus. He was an an officer in the Roman army. And he said to him, you know, here, this is going on, this situation. And Jesus said, well, let's go. And he said, no, no, you don't have to go. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Because he said, I know as a man with authority that's under authority, if I speak something, it will happen. So you can't have authority unless you are under authority. Some of us want Elijah to come find us, but we're not under the clothing of authority. Oh, no Elisha was working with authority. That's right. yeah. Now, now, some of you don't get this, and that's okay, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And so Elijah shows up and finds Elisha. And the Bible says he's behind 12 yoke of oxen. And then it says then Elisha passed by And threw his mantle on him. Now, I want you just to imagine with me for a moment. I know sometimes we forget this, but I want you to just picture this. You're out there working. It's sweating. It's hot. You've got these smelling animals in front of you. You're plowing up the ground. And some crusty looking fella (laughs) walks up to you, looks at you, doesn't say a thing. Takes off his mantle. And throws it on you. I don't know about you, but that that just seems kind of wild to me. But you know what that shows me? There's some things that have to be caught that can't be taught. Oh, I'm going to say that again. You missed that one. There's some things that have to be caught they can't be taught. There's not everything you're going to get because someone's going to explain it to you and dot every I and cross every T and it's going to break it down to you all the way down. There's some things that just have to be caught. You've got to be in the presence of the right time and the right place where God's moving because there are going to be some things that Going to write it all out and show you everything. There's some things that are just going to have to happen. I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone that's home today for whatever reason that are watching online, but there's some things you can't get through a computer. And I'm thankful today that we have this ability that we're not here. We can still participate and join in, but there's some things you can't get just through the wires. You've got to be where God's moving. There's some things that just got to be caught. There's some things you gotta you got to get into the presence of God and be where God's moving and get in the river and let God shape you and mold you and not even understand really what's going on. There's some of you that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you didn't understand what was happening, but you knew something was happening. Somebody had to go back later and explain to you what happened, but you didn't get the explanation before you first caught it. Some people, you got to explain it before they understand it. But some of you, you were so hungry for God that you just were so reaching towards God that he did it. And then later, you had to go back and figure out what in the world just happened to me. And so he walks by and he drops this mantle onto Elisha. Verse 20 says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Notice that, again, there's not a typo here. So let's take the words that are being given and let's play out the story. He's out there working, plowing, minding his own business. Maybe he had his iPod in his ear. He's singing. He has no clue what is going on. He's walking. This guy walks up to him, drops the mantle on him, and according to what we just read there, he kept walking. He didn't get down on the ground and negotiate with Elisha and say, listen, God's going to do all these great things for you. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. And God's going to do miracles in your life. And this is what's going to happen. And come on, you can do it. Hold my hand and we're going to do it. No, he didn't even explain to Elisha what he was signing up for. There was no contract. You know what? I, I wish sometimes God would explain to me what's going on. I wish sometimes God would stop and, and say, listen. Here's what I'm about to do. Now, in the end of all this, you're gonna be standing strong and mighty with, with great wisdom and great power and great authority. But between there and there, there's gonna be some dark places and, and some, and some, and some valleys and some storms. But just hold on, Joel. You're gonna make it, buddy. Because in the end of all this, it's gonna be okay. No! God just says, start walking. I'm Believing because he's a good and just and right God that there's something on the other side, but I don't always know that You're not always going to get the explanation of why you're not always going to find out. Well, why am I going through this? I don't know There's going to be a line in heaven And I'm trying to get there first so I can get in there quicker and get in front of you in line because I want to get my questions answered Thank God we have an eternity because I got a lot of stuff to ask. And I bet you do too. It's going to take a while for us all to get our chance. Because I want to know, God, why in the world did all this begin? Why didn't you tell me the purpose and all that? But you know why God doesn't tell you the purpose? It's because he wants to see how bad do you want it. How bad do you want it? Because you see... God is, he he this is how God does, he comes along and drops the taste of the anointing on you. And before you know it, the anointing hits you and you get all happy and swelled up. And you're like, I'm ready to take on hell with a squirt gun, just give me a chance. And you go running out and you realize, what did I sign up for? Whoa, God, what did you do? You made me feel great and awesome and all this great things and I was broken and beaten and shattered and bruised and I came and lifted my hands and you filled me and I went back in that water and you washed me and man, this feels great and now all of a sudden, what have I signed up for? But you know what? He does that because he wants to know how bad do you want it? I said this Thursday night, allow me to use it again. God does things in our lives because he wants us to understand the value of destiny. If he simply bypasses the process, when we get to the end of the journey, there's no value to the destiny. Because there hasn't been anything. I said it Thursday night, allow me to use it again. But as long as you're buying your children a $100 pair of sneakers, the first thing they do, you go out, you get them a pair of sneakers, it costs 50 it costs $100, whatever you, you're able to afford, you put them on their feet. They love to take new sneakers and find the dirtiest mud puddles. We went out and bought my son a new pair of Crocs and they had white tips on them. I don't know why we chose white for a three-year-old, but you know what? Within two days, stuff was all over that, scuffed up. But you know what? You let that child get a little old. They get a job at McDonald's at Burger King. They start getting a little money. They start saving money here and saving it right there. Now they got enough money. Then they go down to Foot Locker and they buy their own pair of hundred-dollar sneakers. Now it's a whole different ballgame because when you bought them, man, they just wanted to see. Let's see if these things are waterproof. Let me see how. Let's see how dirty I can get them. They were white. Let me see what they look like brown. But when they buy them, I mean, it's. I mean, it's raining today. We need to go out. Mom, I can't go out today. Why can't you go out? I'm going to get my shoes wet. Well, what do you mean shoes wet? Mom, I'm going to have to stay here. I can't go to school today because if I leave, my shoes are going to get wet. Why are you wearing plastic bags over your shoes? I don't want to get them messed up. Wait a minute. When I bought them, you didn't care. And then you go, at night, did you brush your teeth? No. What do you mean you didn't brush your teeth? I don't have a toothbrush. What do you mean you have a toothbrush? Well, you know, my shoes were a little scuffed. And, and, and you know, you can't have a $100 pair of shoes and have them scuffed. So I took my toothbrush and I had to clean them. Wait a minute. When I was buying you the shoes, you didn't care. But now you're buying the shoes and you understand the value of them. Now you know the value of that $100 because you know the blood, sweat, and tears that went in getting that. We don't earn anything from God. It's not about earning your way into heaven. But there's some things that God does in our lives because in the end, when we get to the other side, when we put on our new shoes, He wants us to understand the value of what we're wearing. If he just gave it to you, he just put it in your lap. You probably would treat it with that manner. I remember, actually, I think it was, Brother Savage, I believe you told me this story. If I'm, if I'm wrong on this, just take credit for it anyways. But years ago, they were renovating one of his father's hotels. And they had some stuff they were trying to get rid of. And they wanted people to come by and take it. So they put out there, instead of putting out there a sign that says, am I right on this? You said this to me. You don't remember. Okay, you did it. Just pretend. Okay, it's between. Instead of putting a sign out there that said free stuff. Because they know if it said free, no one would take it. So instead of putting a sign that said free stuff, they put a sign that says, don't touch this stuff. And when you put the sign out and said, don't touch this stuff, next day you come back, all the stuff is gone. Because the sign gave value to what was out there. As long as everybody thought it was free, well, it must be junk, they're giving it away. But as soon as you said, don't mess with this stuff, well, that must be nice because they're telling me not to touch it. So there is a process that God takes us through that's significant. But here's the thing that happens. Watch. Go back to that verse. It says this. So Elijah is so Elijah uh, uh, where am I here? Verse 20. And he left the ran and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and, and slaughtered Them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elisha and became his servant. Watch the significance of this moment. He says, listen, you threw that on me. It felt good. It was like a cold shower and a hot day. Something's going on. Listen, I want to go with you, but could you just wait a minute? i got some stuff I need to take care of. i got to go back and say goodbye to my mom, my dad. i got to kiss my dog. i got to make sure my house is in order before I can go with you. And Elijah says, What? What, have I, well, what is all this about? And watch what Elisha does. I'm going to help somebody out. The Holy Ghost is about to help somebody out. What does he do? He goes back and he takes the oxen and kills them. And boils their flesh and wipes out everything that he had to go back to. He burned every bridge to get him back. Because when he left there, he wanted nothing in his yesterday that would ever be there to draw him back. Do you know why so many of us seem to be? Where we are is because we've got too many plan B's. Well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back and do that. If that doesn't work out, well, this church thing, this God thing doesn't really work out. I've got something to fall back on. No, when you get to the point where there's nothing and nowhere else to turn. Notice, the Bible talks about this lady who had a sickness in her body that was healed by Jesus just because she touched the hem of his garment. Woo! That's amazing. But you know what's crazy? She had that sickness for 12 years. You mean to tell me that was the first time she ever heard about Jesus? You mean to tell me that was the first time she ever knew where he was going to be? But for 12 years... She carried this sickness. But you know what the difference between her being sick and her being healed was? The Bible tells us. She ran out of money and ran out of options. The Bible says specifically that she had no more doctors to go to and no more money to shell out. And when she came to the end of it, that's when she had the faith to get to Jesus. As long as she had other options. And other plans. And other things. That she could do. She didn't have the desperation. Inside of her. For her faith to rise. Why did you come to God. In the first place. You came to him because you had no other options left in your life. You were at the end or you were on the way to the end of life with nowhere else to go. When everything was good and money was flowing and all the stuff in your life was perfect, you didn't need him because you had options. That's why the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to be saved. Why? Because a rich man's got options. They can buy their way out. They can, they can spin their way out of crisis. But when you get to the end and there is no other options. You know what? This is not a multiple choice question today. It's a fill in the blank. And there's only one space for one name. It's not an option of, oh, okay, what would you like today? A, B, C, D. He said, I am the way the truth and the life. no man comes to the Father but by me there is no other option in all this and as long as you've got a career and family and success and cars and houses and all that stuff in your life that you're holding on to, you'll never get to the place where God is able to do his greatness in you because you've got too many options and that's why God in his grace and his mercy takes us through the dark places. He takes us through the dark places to bring us to the point where we've got no other options. Because in that moment of having no options, that's when your faith is at its strongest. Because you know if God doesn't do it, it won't get done. Some of you today need to go home and find some of your oxen and kill them. You need to take some of that plowing equipment and burn it up. Some of you need to go and take all the options in your life of what could be. Well, you know, if this doesn't really work out, I'll just go do this. And if this church really is not friendly, I'll go find another church. And if that preacher doesn't tell me what I want to hear, I'll go find another preacher. And you're going to go option, option, and option. And God's going to sit there going, as long as you've got bridges to run back over, I can't do what I want to do. Because you know what? If Elisha would have left and gone back to say, mom and dad, I got to go. When he showed back up, Elisha would have been gone. Elisha would have gone. But he came back and said, I'm going to burn everything that would ever pull me back to this. (laughs) Elisha, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Bad enough to burn the bridge. Bad enough to get to the end where I've leaving myself no other options. I've used this before. Forgive me for using it again. But that's why this bumper sticker that people put on their car, if you have this on your car, I don't mean any offense by it, but you should go take it off because it says God's my co pilot. God is not your co pilot. As long as you're the co-pilot, that means the co-pilot sits next to the pilot. You are not the pilot. If you're the pilot, I'm getting off the plane. Because you don't have a license to fly it. No. God's the pilot. I'm not even in the cockpit. I'm in the back of the plane eating peanuts and drinking Coke and enjoying the ride. Because I have no ability to fly this plane. God forbid if you showed up one day for your flight and I was sitting there in the cockpit going, hey, welcome aboard. How you doing? You have an experience? Well, I've played a few video games. I've done a few bit up and down a little bit. Well, jump, welcome aboard. You're like, time out. I've got to get off this. My destination isn't worth it. My vacation to the Bahamas is not worth dying over. I'm going to find a rowboat to get there. You are not flying my plane. So the first place that they go, I had this interaction here. We pick up the story a little later. The first place they go in their journey is to Gilgal. Gilgal becomes a significant place not only in their journey, but what it represents to you and I because Gilgal was the first place that Joshua And the Israelites came to when they crossed over the river. And it was where Joshua circumcised those Israelites who had not been circumcised. So Gilgal becomes a place where we deal with our flesh. Because New Testament baptism, New Testament circumcision is through baptism. So the first place God brings us to is that place of circumcision where he begins to deal with you and me, that ugliness that's inside of us, all that junk that's in us. That's the first place. But here's the significance. Gilgal is not a translation, but a transliteration of the Hebrew word. And literally, the, the root of the, of the word Gilgal means a wheel or circle. Something that rolls, meaning Gilgal is a place of going in circles. And there are times in our lives that it feels like we go in circles. We're not making progress. We've been around, we've seen that exit before. We've seen that before. We've been here before. We're going around in circles. Why? Because God is trying to get us to the place to deal with us. Where you have got to look yourself in the mirror and say, it's not the devil's fault. It's not God withholding my blessing. It's me. It's me. It's me. Oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And when you get in a place where you're walking around in a circle, because go back to the last time they walked around in a circle for 40 years. Why were they doing that? Because he was dealing with the doubt of the flesh. And for 40 years, he walked around until that flesh died. So new flesh could be born. And if you're here today and you're in a pattern of your life and your walk with God where it seems like you're making no progress and you're just going around in circles, that is God's sign to you. He's trying to deal with you. And he, if, you, if you're if you here, well, I don't really know what I'm going, where where am I going in life? I don't really know what God's playing for me. I, I don't you know what, I don't really know everything God is doing in my life. I can't spell it out, but I I know there's a direction. But if you're today and you feel like, I don't really have much direction, I'm just going around and feels like my life is just not going anywhere. I'm running in mud. It's not really much progress. That's a sign that God is trying to work on you. And the first place that Elijah took Elisha was the place of the flesh where he could say, we're going to work on you. But then he said to him, stay here. Stay here. And Elisha's response was, I'm not staying here. Every time it got to a point, Elijah tested the hunger of Elisha. You will never mature past the place where God doesn't test your hunger. There are some here in this, in, this, in this group today that have been around for 30 years that would testify to you today, I'm still hungry for God. That's why... I'm as hungry now as I was when I first walked in this door. In fact, there are some things in me that are more hungry now than I was when I first walked in this door. Because I've seen and experienced great things. And I'm not going to be hungry until I see see the fulfillment of all that God wants to do. And through me and in me and for me. I'm not going to stop. Hunger! So that when they get to the trials and the tests, what brings them through? Hunger! How bad do you want it? And Elijah kept asking Elisha every step of the way, listen, I'm going there, you stay here. Really, what he was saying is, I'm about to go to another place. How bad do you want it? And Elisha's response every time was, I'm going, let's go. I'm going, let's go. So the first place he went through it, he went went to, to the place of the flesh. The second place he went through is... He went to Bethel. Bethel's significance, and forgive me for those of you that were here Thursday night. I'm repeating. I told you Thursday night was giving away a lot of good stuff. I'm going to repeat myself today. But Bethel is a place where Jacob had a vision. Some people call this Jacob's ladder, but I want you to pay close attention. To this vision that Jacob had. The Bible says that Jacob falls asleep. And he has this vision. And in this vision, he sees this ladder going up to heaven. And in this ladder, he sees something very interesting to me when you read it. He sees angels ascending and descending. Now catch that. That's not a typo. He sees angels ascending and descending. Ascending and descending. Meaning, where were they coming from? They were coming from here. They were going there and then returning. The cycle wasn't from heaven to earth, earth to heaven. In Jacob's dream, he saw first ascending, then descending. I find this very peculiar. But when you peel back a little bit, the layers... That word angel there can mean angelic being, but it can also mean teacher, priest, messenger. Not just simply an angelic spiritual being, but can also be portrayed as a natural being. So just throw this out there. I'm not making a doctrine on it. Just throw this out there. What if it wasn't angels that were ascending and descending, But it was the priests that were ascending and descending. And who is the priesthood today? Every believer that's been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, is in the priesthood. So when Jacob saw this vision of ascending and descending, he saw those who were earthly bound being able to walk in heavenly places. And when they walked in heavenly places and they came down, they came back to earth. You and I have the opportunity through the spirit of God to step out of our natural man for a moment. The bishop said it last Sunday night. I thought it was wonderful illustration. Is that you and you, you, I'm not a good swimmer. I can swim to save myself, but I'm not swimming for entertainment and leisure. I don't know what it is about my body, I have a tendency to sink like a rock. I see these people swimming. I mean, they're just, it's so effortless and lazy and then just floating on the water. And I'm like, oh, I look so wonderful. I try to get out there and do that. One, two, I don't get it. I don't understand. I've tried everything. I've tried relaxation. I've tried mind over matter. I've tried floaties. Nothing seems to work. I just sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a fish right there, me and floaties right there. (laughs) But you know what? The bishop said it. I don't have gills. I don't have the ability to live under the water and be able to take in water out of my my mouth and and let it flow out through gills and, and, and extract the oxygen that's in that water. I can't do that. You can't do that either. I mean, I hear read these stories of these free divers that can go like 150 feet into the water on like one breath of air. I have a trouble in the bathtub going into... I mean, that's crazy. Think about holding your breath that long. You played that game when you were a kid. Who can hold the breath the longest? You know, I would always win. You know why? Because i go... I'd be breathing through my nose. They didn't know that, but I'm holding... Boy, he's breathing long, isn't he? Because I'm breathing. You close my nose, I'm in trouble. (laughs) But we're not designed for that. So if you're in the water, you've got to come up for air every once in a while before you can go back in water. Because you can't live in that world. That's not the environment. But you can go into that world. Our natural man is not designed to live in that spiritual realm yet. But God gives you and I the ability to step into realms that we aren't allowed to go through because his spirit that's living in us takes us to places. Oh, some of you just, I'm losing you. That's okay. How bad do you want it? That's all right. That's the whole point of this. I'm not preaching to the many. I'm preaching to the few today. But notice where all this happened. It happened at Bethel. What does the word Bethel mean for all of you biblical scholars in here? House of God. This took place. In the house of God. Now, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That we are the house of God. But there is something also significant about you and I in this room today. Because when you walk out of this room today, you walk out of here as a son. But when you step across that door and you get with us, you are a bride. It's a different place. I know these four walls don't hold any special reverence in heaven. But this place... Becomes the house of God because the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered together in my name I would be in the midst So this place becomes a place where people from black to white from rich to poor from wealthy all around the specters of life can come together and lift up hands and Begin to worship and begin to praise and the Spirit of God Descends into this house and this place becomes an opportunity for you and I who are going through things, who are struggling, who are dealing with the junk of life through the hellishness of a job that we don't want to be at. on We can come into this place and step into realms that we can't step into outside of here where we can get in contact with the king of kings and the lord of lords the alpha the omega the beginning and the end the author and finisher of our faith and we can step into this place and lift up our hands next to one another we've been bought with the same name we've been filled with the same spirit And in that moment, we can be transferred to another place. And we can leave this realm for just a moment. And the Shekinah glory of almighty God can descend in this place. And for a moment. For a moment, we can get out of all this and feel something and be touched in places and and ways we can't be touched so that when we leave here, we don't leave here the same way we came in here. God forbid if church just becomes about a place we go because that's a part of our weekly routine and we we forget what we're doing here today, that we're in an opportunity to come. Not to hear some crazy preacher, not to sing a few songs, but we're here today because wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So that means there are things that I can't get free of on my own. But when I walk into this place and God is moving, you know what that means? That means simply sometimes just being in this place, sitting in this place. It has nothing to do with 1535 Ritchie Highway. The lights, the ceiling tiles, the fans, the cameras, the mic. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the atmosphere that's created at Bethel. So that you can walk in here. Carrying the burdens of the week, tied down, beaten down, held down. Sometimes it's all I can do just to get in here because my load's so heavy, my body's so weak, my mind is so weary. The only thing I can do is just make it in here today. But when I get into his presence, You know what? There's a song that we sing when I get in his presence, when I get to his presence, every doubt that I face in a moment goes away. You know what? Sometimes the problems that I bring in here that weigh me down become a stepping stool for me to get even higher and closer to him because I know that I've got to reach out and touch him. Some of you came here today, you've got food in your fridge, you've got money in the bank, your kids are saying, you and your spouse aren't trying to kill each other, you can come here today, you can sit and go through the motions, because you've got nothing to live for, it's okay, everything's cool, I'll be cool for now, it's good. But there's some of you, you come in here, you don't have that option. Your life is... You're in a a dark place. You're in a valley. You're not on the mountaintop sunning and enjoying life. You're in the dark place. You can't afford to come in here and just go through the motion and check off. There's something inside of you that says, listen, I can't afford to just come and go through this. God! (laughs) How How bad do you want it? 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 There are times where God in his love and mercy will come and he'll seek you out. He'll find you where you are. He'll seek you. He'll go through the darkness and through the valley and find where you are and grab you and say, son, come with me. Let's go. And he'll pull you down and he'll leave you and say, today is going to be the day. But there are some times where God just says, here it is. That's not a fire star restaurant. The server's not bringing it to your table. It's a buffet. If you want to eat, you get your little plate and your little backside up out of your seat. And you come to the buffet, hey, you like steak? We got steak. You like fish? We got fish. You like pasta? We got pasta. You like veggies? You got veggies. You like dessert? We got dessert. It's all here for your palate, but you gotta be hungry enough. That's why it's so incredible. I'm not going to be able to finish this today. I might as well quit. That's why it's amazing to me how awesome God is because all of us in here today have come from so many different backgrounds and we're dealing with so many different things. We're not all dealing with the same stuff. We're not all facing the same trial. We're not all here facing the same mountain. We have Sister Debbie in here today facing the loss of a dear friend for many years. We got other people in here today you're facing sickness. We got other people in here today you're facing depression. We got other here today that's trying to deal with addiction. We got other people here today your family's falling apart. We got other people today that you just, you can't seem to get out of your own way. We got all kinds of stuff in here today. And on a human level, It would be impossible in one brush stroke to be able to do something to touch every person on every level. But there are many times in the gospel where the sick came. Some with a cold, some with a headache, some with a broken arm, some with limbs, some were lame some were deaf, some were blind. They were all over the spectrum. And the Bible says, He healed them all. He healed them all. You know what that means? It's that God... It doesn't have to be down to my specific point. There are times, Sister Day, you've been around a long time. There are times you walk in, and it seems like God has told the preacher everything you've been saying in prayer. And you're looking around going did he buck my house? I mean, how does he how in the world is he saying all I just told God that in prayer and I said that yesterday and and I and I'm here today and he repeated the same thing I said. I mean, did he like sneak out? I didn't I didn't see him. He's a big fellow. I don't know how he was snuck in my house. I mean that that and God was specifically Lay it out there and get right down where you're living. I mean, just right in the heart of it. Just get right up in the mud with you and just say, come on, it's you and me the, right here. But there's sometimes, he doesn't do that. He just says, hey, this is what I will do. But I'm just going to drop the mantle out there on you and keep on walking. I'm just going to come by in a service and worship. I'm just going to touch you. I'm going to let you feel my presence. But I'm going to keep on walking. I'm not stopping at your pew and staying there all day. I'm going to drop on you what I feel, I, what, what I can do. But then what are you going to do about it? How bad do you want it? You know why some of you are stuck where you are? Because you have let your hunger die in your problems. You've got no hunger left. Your hunger has become consumed by your situation. But how bad do you want it? I, I finish with this. The disciples were out on a boat one night. It was storming like most of them had never seen before. These weren't just novice men. These were experienced Some of them were very experienced sailors. This wasn't the first time that they had been in a storm, but apparently this storm was quite amazing, quite devastating. And it got to the point that here are these hardened sailors. And they had begun to be overwhelmed with fear and panic and begin to talk to one another that this is it. We're perishing It's going to be all over. And the Bible says that Jesus was up in the mountain praying. And here's what it says. Very interesting. It says he saw where they were. He saw their distress. Now, you want to think just for me for a moment. If God saw me at my dark moment, and I picture God and how God operates... I'm picturing he just starts taking off, running right towards me, just absolutely on a, on a lightning fast pace and comes and jumps in my boat and grabs me and holds me and said, it's going to be okay. That's what I think about when I think of God. But this is what happens. The Bible says that he sees them in their storm and goes to them. And in that, you're thinking, well, here goes Jesus to the rescue again. But then it says something at the bottom of the verse that is absolutely astounding to me in the whole character of Christ. It said this. He said, he saw them, came to them, but would have passed by them. He would have passed them by and left them there. But in their fear, they cried out. But it came out of their desperation that they cried. He showed up. And the Bible says he would have kept walking by. We often think of God today as someone coming in this place. All of us here today have our own requests, our own needs. We often think of God as this loving, gentle, which He is, who comes, finds us, touches us. And He does that. But there are times where God Shows up into a storm and lets you know he's there, but waits for you to make the first move. And depending on your response, depends on his providence. Your response determines God's action. We don't like that. We want God to do it all and we just respond. But God said, you make the first move. Some of you today, I believe the Lord wants to begin to work in your situation. He's here today to begin to work. But if you choose to let this moment pass by... You're going to go back to Gilgal in that circle, into that circle, that wheel, and keep going until you get to the point where you're willing to say, God, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. My question to you today is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How much do you want Jesus? Is it an option today? Is it an option today? Is this something you're here today to check out, to see, well, let's see if this church will make you feel good. Or let's see if this will work out. Let's see if this preacher can preach to me or this person can sing to me. Or this church will make me feel good and this church will love me and hug me. You know, let's just see. Is that what you're here today or you're here today because you know what? I want Jesus. Because you know what? Bottom line, i guy tell you this. If you don't come back next week, we want everyone here to come back next week. We'd love to have you. But you know what? If you don't come back next week, the earth won't stop. You being here or not being here next week won't determine anything because you've never healed anybody. You've never delivered anybody. You've never set anybody free. You've never lifted anybody out of the depth of sin, washed them and cleansed them and put their feet on solid ground. You've never did that. But the one who has is here. So as much as I would love to appeal to you today, the bottom line is my job is not to appeal to you. My job is to touch him. Because if I touch you, I'm just a man. If I say words to you and you're like, well, that was, that sounded good. That was kind of cool. That was neat. You walk out of here with some fancy words. That's it. But if collectively we touch Jesus, and Jesus comes in this place; He touches you like no one else touches you. What does anybody here today that your hunger in your heart is crying out to touch God today? I'm not asking; you're not not about a situation. Maybe you just want to touch Him today. Say, God, I'm hungry for You. I'm hungry for you and I recognize today that you're here in this place whether it's coming down here or where you are standing where you are but is there anybody here today that's hungry for him that would take a moment of your time and don't let it pass you by and just close your eyes and reach your hands out to heaven and just connect to God in this place can you do that? whether it's getting out of your seat or staying where you are that's not the question today the question today is how bad do you want it? Are you here today because it's a religious obligation? It's filling in a time. It's checking off a box on your to-do list. Are you here today because you want Jesus? How bad do you want it? Are you looking for a church because you want a social club? Are you looking for a place where Jesus is? Where's Jesus? I want to go to where Jesus is. Come on, some of you have become so stagnant in your walk with God. You've plateaued and you've got to the point where you're satisfied with just existing. You're just satisfied with going around in circles. Is there any hunger left in you today that says, God, don't leave me where I'm at. Don't leave me where I'm at. Come on, someone needs to respond to the Holy Ghost today. Somebody needs to respond to the Holy Ghost today. Oh, if you're not praying for yourself, be sensitive to those that are around you for a moment. Come on, there's some people that God's moving on. There's some people that are reaching out to touch Him. Oh, let that be you today. Let that be you today. He's here in this place. That's it. Come on, that's it. Oh, yes. Come on, the hand of God is moving. The love of Jesus is flowing. Let Him touch you today. Let Him touch you today. How bad do you want it? How bad is it an option to you today? Is this a multiple choice question to you today? Or is it the only answer you've got? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. God's walking in this place today. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Jesus Yeah those that are praying but if you need to go god bless you please be mindful of those that are still praying